Hi, everyone. It's Jen Wall, And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I am so excited to bring back Deborah Fine. Deborah Fine has been on the Leadership Habit before, talking all about small talk. That's her expertise. It is one of our most listened to episodes of the Leadership Habit Podcast. So, of course, we had to have her back. But let me tell you a little bit more about Deborah for those that might not have heard her episode. A former engineer, Deborah Fine is the author of best-selling books, The Fine Art of Small Talk, How to Start a Conversation, Keep It Going, Build Networking Skills, and Leave a Positive Impression, and her recently released third in the Fine Art series, Beyond Texting, The Fine Art of Face-to-Face Communication for Teenagers, all translated and published in two dozen countries across the globe. Deborah is a 25 plus year member of the National Speakers Association, and she presents on stage and virtually as a keynote speaker and trainer to hundreds of audiences around the world that include the National Electrical Contractors Association, the Texas Association of School Boards, Farm Bureau Insurance, University of Chicago Booth Graduate School of Business. She has been so many places, and that's probably because so many places need to actually learn how to develop this skill set. Deborah's media appearances include The Today Show, NPR Morning Edition, Fox Business News, The New York Times, and CNN. She is your go-to expert on talking about small talk. And so I'm excited to bring you now to our episode as Deborah's going to give us some insights on how we can improve and enhance our relationships using small talk in 2024. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to bring back for a second time, Deborah Fine. Deborah, thank you for coming back on the Leadership Habit Podcast. We had you back, well, I don't remember if it was, it was, I think a year and a half or two years ago. And you are still one of the most listened to podcast episodes of the Leadership Habit ever recorded, which means that people find value in what you've got to say. And so I just want to say thank you for giving us the gift of your attention, your expertise, and your time today to come back on the show. It's so great to have you back. Jen, thanks. And let's give you a little shout out credit. I mean, it's it's the combination of, you know, the leadership habit, the way you host things, the way we got to the tools and skills that we could use, and your unbridled enthusiasm, Jen. It just it, it inspires me. Well, thank you. Um, and Deborah, you are absolutely someone that inspires me. And I use this book. We're going to be talking, but I'm going to have Deborah. I want you to introduce yourself to our audience that may not have um, heard from you in our last podcast episode. But Deborah, we've worked with you a lot with Crescom. Like, you know, in terms of you, you've done an event for us in the past. You were on the podcast. Your book is legitimately a book that I refer people to all of the time. And I'm not just saying that. I think it's because I know how important small talk is. And your book is so easy to use, read, and digest. And I'm holding it for those that might be watching this. Like, I'm holding it. I love your book. It's just easy. But for those that might be new friends, Deborah, tell us about yourself. Or could you reintroduce yourself a little bit to the people that may not know the amazing Deborah Fine yet? Thank you, Jen, so much. Well, I'll tell you, I'm the person who used to hate small talk, think it was stupid, think it was all about sports or the weather. I used to be an engineer, and that was what gave me the idea. I had no skills. I was no Jen DeWall, let me tell you. I was not born with the gift of gab, far from it. And, you know, as an engineer, on occasion, 
I would, I would be at a convention. I represented projects to people that came up to a table in an exhibit hall. But if you put me into the hospitality suite, I was like a fly on the wall. So my, my the leadership at that time would say, you know, just mingle. Just All you do, just mingle. Well, that's really nice to tell me to do, but why don't you tell me how to do it and what to say? And of course, well, I didn't have the guts to really ask them to tell me to do that, but that's what my mind was saying. So I had an epiphany that maybe I could teach myself how to do it. And I did to a degree. And then I had another epiphany that maybe that it wasn't just me. I wasn't the only dorky person on the planet standing by themselves in a corner watching the world go around at a meeting, at um, an industry conference, at a, an awards ceremony or groundbreaking. So I, I, I did a lot of research and came up with the tools, the skills. What do you say to start a conversation? What, what kind of body language should you use? Uh, listening skills, conversation killers to avoid, even exit lines. What do you do to get away from somebody that can't stop talking about their eight-year-old genius? Uh, you know, I, or their golf vacation. So I studied it and then I created programs for it, training programs, keynotes, and wrote the book, The Fine Art of Small Talk. And I'm really proud because the book you held up just now, Jen, too bad I don't have one handy. What was I thinking? <laughs> Anyways, um, is that's the newly revised second edition of The Fine Art of Small Talk because it was issued originally 20 years ago. Can you imagine? Well, there are lots of things have changed. I've learned a lot in 20 years. Uh, a lot of things have changed, importantly, that were anecdotal in the book about video stores. What are those? I don't know. About John Elway being a quarterback. Nope, I'm not anymore. So um, that's newly revised small talk. And it incorporates sort of new avenues that come under the umbrella of small talk. It incorporates political conversation. A conversation for when someone's in transition, experiencing grief or loss. What do you say? Um, uh, virtual interactions. So um, I'm really proud that that book continues to sell and that there's a newly new updated edition. So that's me. No, I love that. Well, and so much probably is still the same. So much of it has changed. Like, the amount of times that someone might ask, how do I support someone that's going through it? Right? Those used to be conversations that we didn't necessarily have in the workplace because you weren't supposed to talk about that stuff in the workplace. Well, that's absolutely true. And also, I think that leaders, you know, leaders of even 20 years ago were expected to be the boss. They weren't expected to cultivate a connection with a a stakeholder or a staff member or a team member. And yet that's a critical ingredient to being a great leader is to build that trust through building rapport. And oftentimes we think of small talk in as, you know, what a waste of saliva that is about sports and the weather. But number one, it, it is not necessarily just about that at all. And number two, small talk is the appetizer, at least I believe this, the appetizer for any relationship. So it starts with small talk. And then as we as we peel the layers in conversation, it becomes more connected um, in business, socially. All our, our friends start with small talk. We meet somebody at a party. We meet them when we went to college. We met them through another friend. And then through small talk, we build it into a relationship. And those of us in romantic relationships, same thing. It starts with small talk on a date. 
on Hinge or whatever they are. I'm a little uh, um, out of that loop, but as are you, Jen. But um, it starts with small talk and then there may be a romantic connection and then a partnership. So small talk isn't so stupid after all. No, I mean, and I love that understanding of why it's so important. That's what today's episode is all centered about. How can you improve and ignite relationships by using small talk? How can you be more effective as a leader? How can you be more effective in networking? Because small small talk is that starting point to all of your success. But yet we hate it. Why do you really think so? People feel like they're, it's, I get it. Like they think it's a waste of saliva. Why do you think people hate it so much? Most, I think most people hate it because we have no control. Like if you're a fourth grade teacher, you have control. You've learned the skills not only to control the, the eight-year-olds, but you've learned the skills to teach them, I, I think, maybe division at that point. The same thing goes for an attorney. The same thing goes for a, um, a welder. We learn the skills of our trade. We study them. We accomplish them. We practice them every day. When small talk is sometimes you're walking down a long, long hall because you're going to be interviewed for um, an opportunity and or you're sitting at a table of eight and nobody knows each other or you're um, you're in a hospitality suite. You have no control if we're going to hit it off or if we'll find things to talk about. And it's like, you know, they say the number one social fear in the United States is besides death, of course, besides death is the fear of public speaking. Um, and yeah, and, and by the way, the third social fear, great social fear is the fear of starting a conversation with a stranger. So I always think, because I am a public speaker, I stand up on stage in front of 50 people or 500 people. And I used to be scared. But until I figured out that I'm in control, like if I make mistakes, you, you, the audience, you have no idea. Um, if I forgot to mention something, you don't know. I forgot. I know you don't know. But in small talk, we're, we're at a meeting and we're sitting next to our boss and the meeting isn't going to start for a few more minutes. And there's that awkward moment. Hi, how are you? I say, Ms. Jones. And she says, great, Deborah. How are you doing? Good. And then we're sort of sitting there with, it's just awkward. So Miss Jones doesn't think to herself, gosh, I'm a lousy conversationalist. I'm no good at building rapport. No, this is what she thinks. She thinks that Deborah Fine, she's awkward to be with. And that's who do you promote? People that are awkward to be with or people that you feel comfortable with. So that's where small talk really comes into play, not only as a leader, but within a professional organization that we, we Even if we're not born like you, Jen, as extroverts, born with the gift of gab, I'm not saying we should act like Jen. Jen has her unique personality. But currently, I'm acting like an extrovert, even though I am an introvert. And I think everyone should take the responsibility of assuming the burden of making other people feel comfortable around them, walking down the long, long hall in a hospitality suite in a classroom style setting while we're waiting for the instructor to get started. It's up to us to do that. And if you make people feel comfortable when they're with you, they'll feel good about you. It's just as simple as that. You know, I could say, Jen, yeah, I don't know if that's a blouse or a dress, but I love the print. I mean, with your hair, it's just spectacular. And I do like it. So don't get, I didn't make that part up, but that's a little schmoozy. But instead if I make you feel good every time you're around me because I show a genuine interest, because we have real conversations with one another where the ball goes back and forth, then 
then I'm building that connection with you much more than just saying what a great dress. I love that. It's about the building it. I'm paying attention in a way that's genuine. That's not this artificial because we all know that feeling. But I think you talked about a lot there. You talked about the awkwardness that many of us feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going into judgment land right now. What if I don't say the right thing? What if someone thinks I am bananas or not good enough, whatever that might be. But then you also shared, because I've read your book. So I also love this. And I want to emphasize that you also talked about the starting point with small talk. And if I remember this correctly, to tell you how many times I've shared this with people, the first thing is to give yourself permission to take the risk and then assume the burden. Did I get that right? Yes. You, I mean, thank you so much for reading my book, Jen, because you didn't need it. But I, you didn't need my book anymore than I needed more hair. But, thanks for <laughs> but you know, it, 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 you know, sometimes we think, oh, my gosh, I can't walk up to somebody at a rotary meeting or a church or synagogue or at a groundbreaking ceremony. I'm in construction or I'm a, a city leader because they might reject me. and. I know what I used to think. I used to think, well, if I had the perfect icebreaker, if you would just give that to me, Jen, you know, then I will use that. I will. I'm a quick study. I can memorize it. I'll use, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'm a straight A student. So, so give me the perfect icebreaker. Well, there is no perfect icebreaker because imagine this. Um, as you approach me at a, at a conference during the coffee break, um, pretend I sell software to attorneys. Let's pretend that's my role in life. That's my business. And I see on your on your name tag, Jen DeWall, that you're um, a trainer and a speaker, right? I see that on your name tag. It says nothing about attorney at law. It says nothing about a law firm that you work for or anything like that. Now, everybody, everyone that's viewing and or listening to this can hear this woman's personality. Jen, she's friendly. She's warm. It's authentic. You can you just feel this friendliness. So she walks up to me with this friendly way, and she's the perfect icebreaker. Hi, you know, I'm Jen DeWall, and I say, oh, hi, I'm Deborah Fine. And she says to me, so, you know, what did you think about the the morning kickoff speaker, or what was your what takeaways have you had from this conference so far? What have been the, the highlights? I mean, she's as friendly as can be with the perfect icebreaker. But here's the problem, Jen. I'm a networker. And I'm selling software to attorneys. So I've decided before you open your mouth that I have no interest in talking to you. People are like that. And they just think, I can't waste time with her. I need to find attorneys. I need to find managers of law firms. So I say to you, um, I'm here at the time. You know, I've had a lot of highlights. Well, it's good to meet you, Jen. And I'm on my way. The icebreaker didn't work. It's just like all everybody who's ever dated. I mean, it happened to me many times. If a gentleman that I looked at at a bar or at a restaurant or at a singles event um, that I was interested in and he didn't look at me or show an interest in me. Do you know what I thought? This is what I thought. I'm too tall. I need to lose more weight. I'm not blonde. I mean, I had a whole list of bad things about me, why this man wouldn't be interested in me. And it's possible. That's exactly why he wasn't interested in me. It is, right? Maybe he only wants blondes or maybe... I am too tall or what, what, maybe I do need to lose weight, but who cares? You can't control other people. You, your icebreaker, you get, you use an icebreaker, you take a risk that they might reject you. Most of the time it works, especially on somebody who's standing by themselves. Wouldn't it be great if somebody walked, even Jen, as outgoing as you are, wouldn't it be great if somebody walked up to you that you didn't know, welcomed you and said, hi, I've never met you here at this meeting before. Tell me about you. I bet you'd respond pretty positively. 
I think I would be surprised Um, because, or it's because I often feel, you know, as someone that's pretty sensitive to other people's facial expressions, their cues, I might feel like, oh my gosh, they are really uncomfortable right now. I'll just, I'll manage this because I don't care. And so if someone did that, I I might be like, oh my gosh, another person. Yes. I don't have to do it alone, but it would be nice to just not have to carry it. (laughs) And that, and I will say to everyone listening, consider that. How come it's not us that's starting walking up to new people? And, 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 you know, you don't have to start at the, at an industry conference or at when, when all your bosses are hanging around during the annual, um, picnic. You don't have to do it then. Do it at church or synagogue. Do it with, um, at back to school night. Do it at, um, a class you go to on how to play guitar. Try out icebreakers with people you will be rewarded but look for people by themselves standing by themselves um looking because i stood by myself for a very long time and you know what jen unless i go to a couples only dinner which that happens and my heart goes out to single people because i've been there too any anything else you walk into you will see somebody standing by themselves unless of course you're so late and often people that hate um occasions like this events like this we arrive late because we're dreading it we don't want to go well by that time everyone has clipped up if they can so i always say get there on time look for somebody standing by themselves introduce yourself and launch the conversation but there is no perfect icebreaker and the worst thing that can happen is they reject you but but as you know jen and everybody listening and viewing knows it's far riskier to take an airplane or drive a car down a major thoroughfare than it is to walk up to somebody new. Yeah, well, and everyone's waiting for that. I would much rather have someone feel like they want to have a conversation, not network all over me by trying to just sell, but just to have a genuine like conversation. I think we get in so concerned about that judgment and the fear of it that we forget that we're all actually concerned about it. Right, right. And- like I said, so if somebody else is judging me, that's their problem. Or if they, you know, sometimes people, like if if I walked up to you, Jen, and I didn't know you, or even if I, I do know you, I mean, I call you friend, but I walked up to you and said, Jen, catch me up. What's new in your life? And you said, oh, Deb, there's a lot going on. Um, but I see my, my client just walked in. I've got to go catch up with him. I wouldn't take that as rejection. My icebreaker didn't work because you have an agenda that doesn't include me. That's okay. I try. But most of us wait around for people to walk up to us. It's just, you know, life doesn't move in the right direction for business if you wait for other people to properly introduce you to people or wait for people to bring you business or wait for people to build your community and your network. You have to do it yourself. I love that. And you also said one of my favorite phrases that I learned from you, catch me up to speed on how things are going. Right. I have used that. I think I just used it today with a coaching client that I had and it catch me up to speed. I haven't seen you since the beginning of November. Catch me up to speed on what's going on. I use that question all of the time. And that is from you. I'm not just saying this. Like, I feel like I don't remember if that was in your book or if I've heard you speak. Is that in the book? It, it's both. But um, I, I say to your audience, that's, you know, she created her own words then because I didn't use up to, up to speed, which is the key here is that she is doing it authentically 
what what I say in the book and what I say on stage is things like bring me up to date, catch me up on your life, what's new with work since the last time I saw you, uh, bring me up to date on the family. And she said, catch me up, you know, to speed because she's a lot younger than me. So that's probably how you talk when you're younger. But nonetheless, here's the point. Do you get the idea, audience? It's not how are you? How have you been? How's work? How's how's the family? And it's not just an open-ended question. It almost doesn't allow somebody to get away without giving you a factoid. Bring me up to date on your life. You're much more likely to get a real answer out of someone. And so, Jen, that was a great example. And yes, I use that all the time with someone. If I've met you before, meaning you're an acquaintance, and of course with friends I do too, but if you're an acquaintance, I do it with my my grown children. Bring me up to date. What's new with work since the last time we talked? If I say how's work to my 38-year-old son, do you know what he's going to say to me? Fine. It's dealing with a five-year-old and you ask them how's school? Fine. Nothing changes, you know, in 33 years. What's new with the project since the last time we spoke? I'm much more likely to get some real, some real information. Oh, it works every time. Like, I, or at least I feel because it's, it takes out the awkwardness of how are you? And yes, it forwards the action in terms of the conversation. Like I get much more relevant information, even if I think about coaching someone, if we talk about leadership, I get much more relevant information by asking it that way than how are you? Because that's not even asking them to think specifically about what their challenges are. Catch me up to speed. They're going to give you a highlight reel. Exactly. And, and, you know, you, Jen, and the audience, think about it. When somebody says, how are you? What does that mean? Really, in, in our rhetorical conversation world, what does how are you mean? Get, this is what I think it means. It means, hello. It's the same, how was your weekend? It means hello. You know, I happen to know, Jen, I hope you don't mind me, me revealing that you are married. I happen to be married too. When my husband walks in the house tonight, what do you think he's going to say to me? I think he's going to say, how was your day? Well. Folks, I don't know if he really needs that. And we have a great marriage. He, you know, first of all, he has hockey um, tickets, season tickets, and there's a hockey game tonight. Secondly, there's Monday night football tournament. There is a lot going on that he cares deeply about. So when he says, how was your day? He might just mean hello because he's got to go. Yeah. Yeah, we ask that. And none of us think about our response anymore with that. We really don't because I think it is, are you doing it just to be cordial and is it hello or are you doing it because you really care? Exactly. And I may not have the time to tell you how my day really was. Right. But, you know, there's a, if you don't mind me adding, there's something that I recommend to people. When you do say to somebody, let's say somebody that works for you, how was your weekend? If you ask them that question, number one, please be thoughtful enough to want an answer. Don't just say it to say it. Because they see right through you, and that's not how you build trust and connect uh, and build rapport in the workplace. So when you say, how was your weekend? She, he, they may not be sure you really mean it, right? So they say, good, great, or busy. This is what you do next. Dig in deeper. One more question. Let them know you do mean it. Let them know you do have the time, that you sincerely are interested in their response. And so this is how you do it. How was your weekend? Good. So what you what kept you busy this weekend? Or um, what'd you do for fun this weekend? Or would you, you know, tell me about what you did with your kids this weekend? Then you're letting them know you really 
want to hear how their weekend was. But the same goes with the project. How's the project going? Good. So, you know, what's the latest angle that you're working on? Let's the person know you really mean. How's the project? Right? How's the um how's that proposal going? Good. So what's been the greatest challenge? Now you know I really want to hear about the proposal and what's been going on. How's the hiring process going with those two candidates? Good. So, you know, what are the barriers right now? Or what do you see down the line with the, with possibly hiring them? Then I'm going to get a real answer. And I call it digging in deeper. One more question. Not three more because you become an FBI agent. You get to ask one more question. How was your day? Good. So what do you have going on today? Now, now I know my husband would really like to hear about my day. Wow, that's great. Hi everyone, it's Jen, and I'm just coming to you because we need your help. Presscom International, the organization that hosts the Leadership Habit podcast that I proudly work for, is looking to expand their network of people that are committed to creating more ethical, engaging, and human leaders. Now, how is that relevant to you? Well, we're looking for referrals. Do you know someone that is interested in giving back and being an entrepreneur and owning their own business? or that wants to make a difference and is passionate about leadership development? Well, I'm excited to share with you that Crestcom has just launched a referral program. If you know someone, maybe it's a past mentor or a boss that's interested in making a career change and wanting to leverage the knowledge and their experience in the classroom, send them our way. We have this new program and here's the scoop. We've designed an easy to use referral form available on crestcom.com forward slash referrals. And you can visit the site submit your referrals, and access all of the rules along with required terms and conditions. Here's the sweet spot of this. If you refer a successful candidate, we'll give you $2,500. Now we want to expand and make our mission even greater, but we can't do that without your help. So if you know someone that would be interested in becoming a franchisee for an amazing leadership development organization that wants to get into the classroom and make a difference, head on over to crestcom.com forward slash referrals today and help us impact your workplaces and the leaders that you work with. Here's the only caveat. Please note that this program is currently open to applicants based in the United States only. Tell me what you mean by FBI agent and what is kind of the rule of thumb in terms of how small talk goes? Because I've definitely been there. It feels when I first met my mother-in-law, she is the kindest person, but she would ask question after question after question. And it did feel like an interrogation. Maybe it was at the time, <laughs> but it did, did feel like that. And sometimes I watch her do it to other people. And I know that's, I think now and knowing her for so long, I think it is her way of it just make her, makes her uncomfortable. So she wants to always ask these questions, but then it feels really uncomfortable to keep answering them. And so what is your rule of thumb on that? Well, well, you know, a lot of us, most of us have been taught to be a good conversationalist is to show an interest and ask a lot of questions. I, I, there's so many other angles to being a good conversationalist, but the real key is if you're going to ask more than one question, make sure they're connected. So for instance, here, I'll play FBI agent for a second. So let's pretend we met for the first time, Jen. So I'd say, Jen, what do you do? Which is not my favorite way to start a conversation. Although at an industry conference or we're sitting around a table for a meeting at work and I haven't met you. So, you know, what's your role with the organization? Or tell me, what, what kind of work do you do? So answer the question, Jen. I am a professional speaker and I work with organizations to improve resiliency. 
And Jen, where are you from? Are you from Colorado or are you from somewhere else? I am from Milwaukee, or excuse me, I'm not even from Milwaukee. I'm from Little Shoot, Wisconsin. <laughs> so what the audience's experience as an FBI agent, I went from one topic to another. If I want to start with what do you do, okay, if that's my, if that's, I've chosen to start with what do you do. And she says that she's a professional speaker, that she works with people with leadership, blah, blah, blah. Then I should stick with the topic and say, what got you into that? Or, you know, what's a typical day like for you, Jen? Or you know, let's find out what she means. I mean, she gave a very good answer, but even for me, who's in the same industry as Jen, I want to know more and I want to understand what her day looks like. But for me to jump to where you're from, I become an FBI agent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can do that during another conversation or if we're still talking half an hour from now because we're at um, a di- dinner table, then I get to say, so, Jen, I, I don't know. Are you from here? Or are, you, are you from somewhere else? And that, that's a whole new topic, but not one after the other. How's the project going? Good. So how's your weekend? Oh, great. I mean, get me. Take, please stop. And, and you know, you're talking about your mother-in-law. I think sometimes people do it. I'm not saying that she was like this because they're nervous. And they just... My- yeah, I think it's absolutely that. It's like, keep the attention off me. Please do not. So I think sometimes people, I guess, do you have any advice for how do you answer in terms of to be a good conversationalist, that back and forth? If I ask you, how was your day, right? No, not that we're going to ask that. But if I asked it and someone doesn't answer it back, or if I ask you, where are you from? And you say, you know, Wisconsin, and they don't answer it back. Or do I answer it back right away? Or what's your rule on answering? Well, the biggest thing to answering is to give us a, a solid answer. Um, and it's, if I just want to step back. I think it's okay to say, how's your day? I have no problem. We're not going to, there, when I'm with people, I often will hear myself say, how's your day? And they'll say, great. And then I'll, they'll either, they'll either do what we're about to talk about, which is give me a, a better answer than great. We'll talk about that in a second. Some people do naturally or because they're great conversationalists or when they say great i'll say so what's keeping you busy today after i so you see so it's okay to say how was your day or i could even listen i made a joke about kids how's school good so i would say well what part of school did you hate the most today now at least i'm trying to engage that child in conversation right how's your college search good so what's been your biggest challenge it's just you get the idea. Okay. Right. So it lets them know I'm sincere and I have the time to hear a response. But what you brought up, I think, is a real key to being a great conversationalist. And for leaders, I think it's a, a, a very important ingredient. I call it playing the conversation game. So if you said to me, how are you? I might say to you, well, I'm great. I, um, you know, I, I had a really busy day today, but I got the gym in. I had to get it in at a quarter to six this morning, but I got it in and I, then I'm done. If you're interested, you now have a factoid. I went to the gym at 6.15. You can either say, oh, what, are you religious about the gym? And, or you could say, so what else did you have going on that you had to go in so early? I gave you enough information that you had something to work with. If you say to me, so uh, Deborah, how's work? I'll say, well, it's, it's good, but I, um, I only have one more trip. And then I get to stay home all the time. And you might say, what do you mean trip? Do you go on trips a lot for your work? Blah, 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 blah. 
Or you might say, oh, that's great. So what are you going to do with the time when you don't have to travel? Are you going to do anything special? So I gave you some factoids about me. Deborah. you know, how was your weekend? My weekend was great. I had family in town and I enjoyed every minute of it. Oh, what family came to town? I've given you something to work with. Hey, everybody. The lazy conversations are the ones we go to dinner with on Saturday night. We've planned this for six weeks, okay, in our calendar. They're our friends. Hey, how's it going? Marianne, good. So what's new? Oh, same old, same old. So how's that MBA program going? Uh, good. I mean, you just want to just, it's exhausting because you're, you're, yeah. you're getting one word answers out of people. They're lazy. And I guess at least at dinner on Saturday night, I can have another cocktail and make it a little easier to get through this. But, you know, it's exhausting because people don't contribute. People don't participate. And part of the battle, Jen, is that most of us are just in this zone where when somebody says, how are you? We say fine. When somebody says what's been going on, we say not much or nothing, even though that's not true. So I say to people, when you're about to walk into somebody's office, when you're going to walk into a meeting, when you're going to walk down the hall with someone, when you think you might encounter people virtually, when you're going to get on line with somebody for a Teams meetup and somebody, whether it's a colleague or your boss says, how have you been? How are you? How's it going? How's your day? You know, how's your year been? Be ready. Give an answer in a sentence. So they have something to either work with or just plants a seed. If you plant, if somebody says, how's your year been? And you say, it's been great. I, you know, I, my, all my New Year's resolutions have burned and gone down the toilet already. Wow. What were they? Thanks for giving me something to talk about with you that had nothing to do with the business at hand. How great is that? You know, is that I, yes, yes. People, it's that, I think it was the, that we all have to make sure that we're participating too. like give someone something to work with. This is hard for all of us. Yeah. Don't well, make it, me it's try to make it hard. hard. We're lazy. I think most of us are lazy. <laughs> That's fair. Like give someone something to work with. There are so many different directions that I want to ask for your like final few minutes that we have, because I know in the book, you talk about tips for introverts, tips for extroverts. You give specific questions for the type of events people might be going to and what questions might be relevant to ask. You also talk about what to avoid. You talk about what to do when you forget someone's name, which I also just laugh. I like laugh reading that. But what would you want to leave? Like there's so many different nuggets I know I could pull from your book because I have pulled through, but what do you think you would want to leave our audience with and some final considerations on small talk? Well, thanks for asking, Jen. Boy, this went fast. So I think since it's leaders and emerging leaders that that are guided by you and by Crestcom and by ideally by this this, um, meeting you and I just had, I would just impress upon them that Every conversation is an opportunity. So unless somebody is a class A jerk or abusive in some way, it's up to a leader, an emerging leader, to launch the conversation. I, I, I recommend to people that they turn it into a task, even if you're an extrovert. Because the problem with extroverts, people like you, Jen, is my guess is people circle around you like, I don't know, just for the, people circle around me because I behave like an extrovert. I, you know, everybody, hi, Deborah, hi, Deborah, hi. And so if I'm not careful, I don't notice that person standing over there. 
And that person could be somebody I already knew, which that's a big problem because they think you're a snob if you don't get over to say hi and or just somebody new. So I really believe that leaders should turn this into a task, not necessarily small talk, but conversations with the people that work for them, the client referral sources, the um, people in the community that they may have to interact with or should interact with, and tell yourself whatever works for you. I'm going to talk to at least three stakeholders during three times this week. So my week is Monday through Friday. On Monday, I'm going to do it once. On Wednesday, I'm going to do it. And Friday, I'm going to do it. If I do it more, that's great, but I must do it at least once, right? Approach somebody in the coffee room where I sit down in the cafeteria, where I see a gaggle of them and just walk up and find out what's been happening in, on their weekend and turn it into a task. When I attend a networking event, before I enter, I tell myself, you'll meet two new people, three new people, one new person. I get to decide how many new people I, I meet because most of us hang out with our competitors or we hang out with the people we already know instead of walking up to someone new. So I give myself a task. I'm great at tasks. And I guarantee you, your audience is great at tasks. That's why they're educated. That's why they're professional. That's why their clothes are clean and pressed because they're good at tasks, even if they don't like them. And then, you know what you get to do after you meet your three new people at a networking event? This is what I get to do. Leave early. How great is that? Or sometimes I just get to go out in the reception area and play with my little device and scroll around there or whatever. So turn this into a task, even if it comes naturally to you, because extroverts and people who have all this energy tend to attract it so much that we don't notice other people around us. Or, and I think we alluded to this before we got on air, Jen, the person at a table of eight, for instance, who does all the talking. What? Don't become a monopolizer. You get to talk two or three minutes about yourself, throw the conversation ball to someone else, no matter how interested they are in you, your vacation, your project, or your promotion. I love that. You gave so much, oh. so much in our short time together. And again, your book is filled like chock full. Like I know this might feel like a Deborah Fine promotion, but I, I really found a lot of value in your book, even as an extrovert, because at least you are an extrovert, Jen. You really are. Well, but I don't think I always know how to do it. I think that people assume that I feel comfortable with it. I just jump in and do it because I actually feel more comfortable not watching everyone be in pain. Um, but I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm naturally great at it. I've absolutely asked the icebreaker question that, you know, isn't necessarily the right one. And I think I've also not always been the best to give an answer. Like if I, you know, have my own attitude that day or my own emotions, like, Maybe I'm not giving people much to work with and that's not doing anything to move it forward either. And right. sometimes I do try to be that person on the corner. If there are people in higher positions than me with more authority or success or credibility, I absolutely lose my confidence. And it's really hard to go in and say, hi, how are you? Like, I, I get just as uncomfortable. I'm probably just better at hiding it with my own awkwardness. <laughs> I that you are willing to, as an extrovert, you have occasions, not often, but occasions where you feel overwhelmed because either you don't know anybody or they're all higher level or, you know, I know when I walk into rooms, which I do a lot of this, of all men, because I am expected to go to dinner the night before for a conference where I'm speaking. And because of, of my topic, I tend to work in the 
um, engineering space and the IT space and the law has gotten much better. You know, there's a lot of women there and, and wealth management, there's a lot of women there, but a lot of construction and electrical contractors that I have to work for, or that I choose to work for, they're all men at the steakhouse. And I have to tell you, I mean, even though I wrote a book about it, I, I, I turn it into a task. I think about all the skills before I walk in. And then of course I don't drink, even though it's a drinking. And I remember everybody's name and I, and I oftentimes have nothing in common with them. I don't hunt or fish. I'm not saying all men do this. I'm just saying in the construction world of which I tend to get a lot of work, there are a lot of hunters and fish. So I just learn about them, learn, you know, do they do it as a kid or golf? I don't golf either. You know, sports, I don't know anything about it, but I'll just learn from them. You know, what's your favorite team? Why? Would you grow up there? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me, what, do you got, what are their chances this year? Good. Maybe I'll learn something. I mean, I think that's always having those extra questions. How can you ask a next step question on the information that they have? And taking responsibility for it. That, that would be my answer to conclude this. Assume the burden of other people's comfort. I used to only worry about my own. That's why I hoped you would walk up to me. That's why I hoped you would sit at a table of eight ten and keep this conversation going. Now it's up to me to assume the burden. And if I ever have to interview for a job and I have to walk down the long, long hall and then go up an elevator with you because you're the decision maker, I will assume the burden of coming up with things to talk about during this. You will not feel awkward when you're with me. You won't unless you're really, you know, put out that day, I guess, and just really difficult, but that doesn't happen usually. Oh, I love that. Give yourself permission to assume the burden. Deborah. how can they get in touch with you? I've really enjoyed our conversation. How can they learn more about you, what you do? Where can they purchase the book? Yeah, these are all just outstanding questions, but all they need to do is go to my website, which is debrafine.com, D-E-B-R-A-F-I-N-E.com, and everything is there, how to buy the book, which can be purchased anywhere at bookstores, as well as, of course, Amazon, and uh, about my my training and my keynote speaking, it's all on the website, debrafine.com, or just Google that, and Trust me when I tell you, the engineer and me made sure that no other Deborah finds come up on the first page, even if you spell it wrong. I love that. Nice job for that. No, Deborah, thank you for the conversation. Thank you for the insight. Thank you for just the nuggets that you dropped on a really, really important topic, because this will set the trajectory for how their relationships can improve in the coming year. Thank you so much for coming by. You're welcome. And thanks for mentioning the Denver Nuggets in this call, our champions. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. I loved having Deborah back on the show. Again, the reminder, you've got to give yourself that permission to assume the burden. You also need to make sure you're giving a good enough answer so people can have a conversation with you. I know that's something that I sometimes need to work on. Now, if you know someone that could benefit from hearing Deborah's message, share this with them. We would love to help improve everyone's ability to have these small talk conversations as I know it's something that's challenging for many of us. And of course, if you do find that you have some leadership challenges, don't forget to head on over to Crestcom.com. There you can request a complimentary leadership skills workshop for you, your team, to identify how you can work better together and have more fun. We would love to help you develop your leadership skill set. Again, head on over to crestcom.com. And in closing, 
If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming service. Until next time.